8.32, and that's the choice of George in Richards Bay. Nice one, George. Coldplay and Paradise. Well, some people would say that we are in paradise, and as far as I know, Nico is in paradise right now, the same paradise that I'm in. Nico, how's it? All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. <laughs> Nico, on the couch with a cup of coffee, except it's not uh, your cup of coffee at home. No, exactly. I'm actually visiting Stellenbosch, so we, um, yeah, I'm actually sitting on the bed having a view out on Stellenbosch, which is really quite cool. So how weird is that? I'm in Cape Town, you're in Cape Town, and we didn't even know. We didn't even cross exactly. paths. Exactly. We should have made a plan. So um, what's going on? What are you doing in Cape Town? Those Cape Town drivers are terrible. <laughs> 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 oh, let's not say that. Say. They just maybe we're just not used to each other's driving. Yeah, maybe we're not used to people doing eighty in the fast lane. That's all. Uh, no, it's it's all good. I'm just uh, spending some time with the family. Uh, so um, yes, um, I'm here for a little bit of work as well, so I could extend. And uh, okay. yes, all good. I saw um, this week um, uh, an interesting article where um, Tesla in their vehicles now have got a system that tells you. If the, 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 the tread is getting thin and even if the tire doesn't wear out evenly, which is really interesting. So um, they don't normally give technical specification on how it's done. So we almost have to do a little bit of guesswork and say, okay, so what could be the reason why that is happening? And uh, or how do they re- do that? And the chances are that they're probably using the wheel speed sensor in the car. So normally um, cars have run flat indicators or Tire, uh, tire um, you know, when the uh, tire pressure loss indicators are over. So if you're driving and the tires are getting flat, the, there's two ways of doing it. So one way is using a wheel speed sensor. So that's actually just simply a sensor that looks at the rotation of the wheel and how fast is it rotating. Um, it's actually the same system ABS uses. So what it does, it compares the four wheels to each other. So when you're driving, it compares um, the different wheels and says, okay, so what is the left and right wheel doing? Um, and the, the front and the backs. And, and, and effectively then, if your tire is flat, the circumference changes. So as you're driving, a flat tire would have a different circumference, and that's how the car would know that the tire is flat. So um, uh, that's the one way, of course, of telling you that the tire is flat. Another way is simply having a pressure, tire pressure um, sensor inside the tire. But if you're looking at that, most cars that are more interlevel tend to have a wheel speed sensor, and the more expensive cars tend to have a sensor physically inside the mag that tells you or measures the pressure. So what I think Tesla is probably doing is they are looking at a wheel speed sensor and then simply storing this, the information when you start driving. So when you have the car as new, they'll know what the rotational speed of the tires would be. So as you're driving, if you go back to that stored information, as the tread is getting less and less, the rotation of the tire would become different um, or effectively less and less because the, the, the tread is getting less. And that's how they would know. And even if the tire doesn't wear evenly, that would also be the case that it would return, it would turn a little bit different to the other tires uh, when it started. And I guess that would probably be how they're doing it. Of course, the other way would be a camera, but I'm not sure that they're going to have a camera on the wheel arch because that will get quite dirty. So that's an interesting tech. And I, I find it interesting that we're talking about Tesla. They're not even in South Africa. They're even cell phones yeah. here, but they make the news all the time. Um, I, I've spoken to two different friends. I've got a friend in Singapore that works there. We used to work together. Uh, another colleague in the U.K., and both of them said that the Tesla, like the Model 3, which is a <clears throat> excuse me, entry-level sedan, 
is actually priced very well. So the cars are selling very well because you look at the option and say, you know what, I can have this electric car that has a good range, um, or very good range for electric car, it has great acceleration, so I might consider it. Both quality really not great in a Tesla. I've seen a few and I've never been impressed. But yeah. you can get an electric car for, for, for a, a comparatively good price compared to, um, uh, let's say, you want to compare it against the BMW, Mercedes-Benz and Audi when you look at um, uh, electric sedan. They don't really have those type of cars. So comparatively priced, it does quite well. So, so I'm, ju- I'm just trying to like wrap my head around it. Is the Tesla... I mean, it's for sale. It's being, it's, it's, it's on the market, etc. It's not on the market here, as you said. Is it, um, is it competitive? Are people actually engaging, etc.? Yes, definitely. I mean, worldwide. I'll tell you what. This links nicely to something else that I got recently. Let me just get my information. Um, if you want to see how popular a brand is, you've got to obviously see. Um, you know, what's the value of the brand? And there's a company called Interbrand, and there's different ones that look at the value of motor companies and say, uh, or actually companies. So Interbrand is an international company that says, what is the value of the brand name? So if you buy a brand, how would you pay? How much would you pay for that brand name? If you had to guess, which is the most popular brand name in the world, Michelle? No idea. So out of all the brands in the world, which one Tesla. is the most no, actually, Apple is the strongest. So, according to Interbrand, uh, Apple is number one, Amazon number two, and Microsoft is number three. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the recent growth, um, Tesla is uh, the brand that has actually grown the, the most in recent times. So, if I look at the top 10 automotive brands, so if I take the top 10 brands um, with um, Interbrand, number one, of course, as you said, is Apple. And then if you look at the list, um, the top motor brand comes in at the top uh, worldwide, number seven, which is Toyota. Number eight is Mercedes-Benz. Number 12 is BMW. And then from nowhere, suddenly Tesla's moved up to number 40. So they've grown mm. a lot worldwide. So that gives you an idea of how strong or how popular Tesla is. Just for intersake, Honda at 25, Honda at 35, Audi at 46, Volkswagen at 47, Ford at number 52, Porsche at 58, Nissan at 59, Ferrari at 76, Kia at 86, Mini at 96, and Land Rover at number 98. So, so I mean, I, I, I suppose the question that could be asked, and we'd have to get Jeremy Samson or Teber Kalafing or any of those brand guys in to, to answer, is that just because your brand is the most well-known or is well-known, does that then articulate itself as sales? I don't necessarily think so. I think, of course, if you're known, it does help a lot. But that spot was always Coke. If you go back, I think, five, six, seven years, it was always just every year off the year, Coke, Coke, Coke. And I think Coke is known worldwide. So, of course, I think that has to be part of that, is how well the brand is known. But it's about perception. So if you look at um, South Africa recently, I saw another study where they asked um, the younger generation um, about electric cars. And what yeah. is the favorite one or which one do you know? They all mentioned Tesla. It's not even sold in South Africa, but the perception of Tesla is so strong um, that definitely what people think and believe of your brand, maybe that part of that becomes your reality. Yeah, yeah. So, Nico, um, we've got a, a message from Harry saying, Morning, Michelle. You were talking last week with Nico regarding the testing of vehicles in the Karoo. Just to let you know that Mercedes is now testing in Mpumalanga Sabi. Apparently, they're going up and down the Long Tom Pass to Leidenburg with both cars and SUVs. <laughs> there you go. It's, 
it's almost like um, um, spycam.com. So now what happens, he knows that shot, I just made that up, by the way. So now what happens is, car, or let's call it car spycam.com. Uh, people are now looking at the manufacturers because manufacturers even go to great lengths to hide these cars. So the cars would be, you know, sort of panels would be on them so they're not clearly marked. Um, they even have um, um, like dummy bits on the car. So in other words, let's say the grill has a certain design of a certain manufacturer. They then sort of build a dummy one on the front so you can't exactly see what it looks like. And then inside, a lot of the time, they would have like a felt covering all over the dash with flaps that lift up so you can't see what the interior looks like. So then if you go to actually most motor, you know, motor sites would sometimes show you these spy pictures and they say, okay, here's the latest um, car, let's say from Mercedes-Benz, the, the coolest spoken of Mercedes-Benz, and let's say it's the latest uh, EQE. So they then will have spike um, shots, and just so you can see a little bit of the car, and then, oh, we've now seen the uh, spike of the interior. So there's actually people that make a lot of money and make it their business to try and figure out what the manufacturers are doing and actually lying low and taking pictures and, and trying to sell those for a profit. So I'm not saying that's a business opportunity in Formula Longa, but that is happening across the globe. <laughs> So, Nico, you, you, you talk about that. I mean, you talk about the spy cams. And we want to say, Harry, that uh, your spy cam is sounding very good. We like it um, a lot. Are, are we still seeing them just moving around the country very quietly without letting us know, but they're doing it here nevertheless? And why are they doing it in South Africa? I mean, you mentioned why it was being done in the Karoo. Well, first of all, um, um, they would have these sites that they go to. So let's say the Nürburgring or the Nordschleife is one popular one because – it's a 24-kilometer lap, but it's very hard on the car. So doing one lap there um, could equate to, let's say, 100 laps. I don't know exactly what the math would be, but one lap there would be 100 laps on the road. So they would test there a lot. Um, but then, of course, people know about it. So wherever you go, there's people actually sitting and watching. Um, they have different test tracks um, at different locations. So Mercedes-Benz have, have their special test tracks. Uh, Porsche has special test tracks. Um, Ferrari has their special test tracks. So what happens is people would sit outside and wait um, for these cars to come through. Um, so you'd want to go to, a, a, first of all, a place where it's a lot less prevalent and a lot less people sitting and waiting to, to take your pictures. Um, we, of course, um, have ideal conditions um, in the case of, of extreme. So if you want to go to very hot and very dry, Uppington is a great place. Um, so the best thing is done there. If you want to go to um, areas like, um, uh, you know, actually the whole of Karting, um, the benefit there is that we're quite high and quite warm. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Mexico City is the world's highest city, and I think Joburg is the second highest city. I could be wrong here. But Joburg is 1,600 meters above sea level, Pretoria 1,400 meters, and it gets quite hot. So you again have a unique situation where it's high and it's hot. I think uh, if you look at the same height in Europe, you're in the Alps. So because mm-hmm. it's now height and, and thin air and heat, um, thin air, the performance of a car is different. So that makes an ideal condition. The long-term pass might be simply um, loading. I don't know, but you know, if you have a, quite a steep pass where it's, it's high, it's warm, you could look a trailer on and see how does it call and perform when you're towing up and down a pass. So one thing you should know about car manufacturers is when you eventually buy the car, they've done a few million kilometers of testing um, before they actually sell it to, to us. So the car would have gone to uh, extreme conditions wherever they can replicate it. So, like I said last week, with Porsche, the cars we drove had come from Canada. So, literally, they were in snow and ice, performing there, get shipped here, and then the, the, the cars just keep on driving, and then they're driving in Uppington. So, um, 
They want to look at unique conditions and extremes because they want to sell a car in the whole world and they want to make sure that car will work in the whole world. Um, and then there's certain, sometimes certain technologies, let's say like a supercharger. A supercharger doesn't always work in very hot countries like Dubai. And because of the heat gets very high and the supercharger sits in the V of the engine, so sometimes they battle to cool down a supercharger um, because of the, where it's positioned. So you want to test there where you get to 40 degrees or 50 degrees and see mm. what the car does because you want to completely sell it worldwide. So I guess that's what's happening. A lot of these people that are actually aware of what's going on. And then we have vast open spaces. Um, and uh, so it's quiet. And then it's cheap. You know, getting here, um, the, the, if you come with euros, you can buy a lot, so I guess that also helps. And we're not too far away from another place you could go to, let's say, is Australia, but it's very far from Europe. South Africa is, is a bit more convenient. They, uh, I think they put these, um, you know, take a plane, ship all the, or fly all the cars here, test them, fly them up again, and go to the next place. So I guess that's what ha- what's happening. And again, these are some of that, um, I'm not exactly sure, but I think that's what I would guess would be the reason. It's um, um, Terence and Kakamas who was talking to us about this whole thing just sent a message to say, good morning, I've seen the new Mercedes hatchback and the new BMW. They look more or less the same. The only difference is the lights at the back. Mercedes will outsmart BMW this time. These cars still need to go into production. So you see, Terence is like there. He's totally got his spy cam making it all happen. <laughs> and and it's going to be interesting to compare those two because they both are really – Offering to a similar market, the BMW and um, the Mercedes hatchback, aren't they? Well, I mean, those three um, uh, Audi, BMW, Mercedes Benz are always at it, you know, to see how they can outsmart each other. So they always want to have uh, the latest technology, um, sell more cars, have the best hatch, have the fastest hatch, have the fastest performance car. Um, so it goes back, uh, you know, quite a long way. So, uh, and then it's interesting. Sometimes they would even share technology. Sometimes. Certain things like the, the, the supplier of maps, um, they would actually share the technology. So they would get to a company that is uh, like uh, here, H-E-R-E, which is yeah. a company that supplies maps. And then they would actually share that, um, or the manufacturers would actually share um, stakes in that. So uh, to an extent, you must realize that they're competitors, but they're also German. So I think for them, it's also good if they're selling more German cars. So I think they, that's also sometimes the way, and I don't know this, but I think, for them, it's beneficial that they also look at it. Or I guess they look at it like that. They're competitors, but they also want to sort of sell more German cars. Yeah. Okay, someone in Quebec, Port Elizabeth, has said um, they're obviously on some kind of a package where they are required to use the car allowance. Required, otherwise they will be heavily taxed. And the question is... Um, what sort of vehicle can I get for approximately 10,000 Rand per month? And it has to have suspension, air suspension, owing to the fact that I have a spine injury. Sure. You can, you uh, can just answer that off the top of your head. I know you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's difficult. I mean, with air suspension, that actually is quite tricky. You're going to battle to find, I'm trying to just think, what new car. So normally what you do is you look on a, about 2,000 Rand, uh, mm-hmm. roughly again, because you, you've got to look at affordability and what interest rate you're going to get and your deposit. But it's normally about 2,000 rands, roughly, or 2,200 rands, roughly, for every 1,000 rands, uh, for every 100,000, excuse me. So in other words, um, if you, let's say, you get a great interest rate and it's 2,000, I'm trying to work it out, you might get about 500,000 rands worth of car. You're not going to get a car with a suspension for that price, not for 500,000 rands. Um, so, um, and again, it, it does depend on your deposit. 
um, uh, how much deposit you're giving already. So if you, let's say you had no, or a very small deposit, that would be what you would be paying. But I'm trying to think what cars would have, I can't think, Michelle, on, on, on a budget of even 600,000 rands, which cars have air suspension. What, you could what, consider, what actually is air suspension versus airbags versus suspension okay. versus... Okay, so um, effectively a car has springs, uh, and springs yeah. are there to absorb the unevenness in the road. So if I'm driving and there's bumps or uh, potholes, whatever, the spring absorbs that, um, so it makes the ride smoother. Um, and when you have air suspension, effectively, they've taken the spring and replaced it with something called an air bellow. So basically, you're like a balloon. So instead of having a spring there, you now have a balloon, and the balloon absorbs the unevenness or the bumps, which actually yeah. then makes for, for, for a quite a comfortable ride um, because the, 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 air, you know, the air suspension can absorb that. Air suspension can also then lift the car, lower the car. So if you're doing off-roading in an SUV, you can lift and lower the SUV so you can make it higher. On, 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 even on cars, normal cars, you can lift or lower it a little bit, but the ride is quite comfortable. And then normally with that, you also get an adaptive damper. So an adaptive damper, um, um, uh, we also think of it as... Um, uh, I can't think of another word for the damper now, but a damper or a shock absorber, that's the word. A shock absorber effectively uh, is then a piston moving in oil that, that pushes the wheel down and keeps it down. So the spring absorbs the bump, it will go wow, 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 up and down, and the, the damper Sorry, will do that again. Do that again, Nico. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just do it a third time just for a laugh. Oh, really? Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> now you've recorded me. <laughs> For eternity. So, um, <laughs> so the wheels push down and, and, and stays down. So, um, but that also uh, um, um, determines the comfort of the ride. So what I suggest, so let's say you're looking at about between, I don't know what your deposit is. Let's say it's a 500,000 and car. Look for a car with adaptive dampers. In other words, it'll have coil springs, normal springs, but you get adjustable dampers. In other words, the piston moving in the oil you can, um, there's various ways to do it, either make the oil thinner or thicker or thinner or, or change the path that the oil flows. But an adaptive damper would actually give you a softer or a slightly harder ride. So in other words, you just simply then put the car in comfort. So that's effectively what I think. I know it's quite a long answer, but I don't, you're not going to get air suspension for half a million rand. Um, so try and look for a car with adaptive dampers. Um, that is a possibility, although I still think it's a little bit of a stretch at half a million rand. It's actually crazy to think you're paying half a million rand and you can't even get air suspension. So cars are, unfortunately, extremely expensive. Sorry, Nico. So just, just for clarity, just remind us again what you said around um, the cost of a car and how much you would pay per month, plus minus. Okay, this is difficult. Again, please don't quote me on this because it does depend on the interest rate of, you know, the a few factors. So, in other words, um, if you, I would be careful of balloons. But if you've got a balloon payment or not, um, it also depends on what interest rate the bank's loading money to you. But let's say let's make it about a, a two thousand two hundred rand, two, between two thousand two thousand two hundred rands for every hundred thousand rand, or roughly about a thousand or a thousand one hundred rand for every fifty thousand. Roughly, this is like a very mm. rough math to give you sort of an idea what you're going to. Um, but you've still got to go to the bank. They're still going to look at your credit history and then give you an amount. But if you want to roughly work it out, sort of start in that ballpark, and, and that gives you an idea. So I don't know what your affordability is. I don't know what your budget. I don't know what your – because the deposit makes a big difference. So let's say you had a car that you're selling for 200,000 rand, 
Then suddenly you have a deposit of 200,000 rand, you can buy a car for 700,000 rand. Then, hey, that makes a lot more sense. Now, you, now you, you're getting close to So now you can probably consider something with an adaptive uh, damper. It's like a, like a Volkswagen Pig one. So the Pig one, as an example, you have an option of adaptive dampers. So you can get a yeah. Pig one and then look for one with adaptive dampers, and that off you go. The, you know, already the ride would be more comfortable as opposed to just a standard suspension. So um, another question for you is, what's the difference between driving a car on the coast and up in Gauteng? It depends. Um, if you have, you have two types of two types of cars. Well, now I have three types of cars. But I think mm. if you get an internal combustion engine car, so petrol or diesel, um, and, and then you, and, and a few years ago, we referred to those as normally aspirated, so they were breathing normally. Then we added turbo. So if you have a turbo car, um, a turbo is, uh, assists to the car's breathing. In other words, it forces more air into the engine to make it breathe better. An electric car just works with electricity. So electric car um, has no effect. So now what happens is if you go to Karting, let's take Joburg as an example again, for every 100 meters that you go above sea level, you lose 1% of the performance. So if you're in Johannesburg at 1,600 meters, you lose in a normally aspected car 16% of the performance. So if I take a non-turbo car and I drive it on the coast, it will feel quite fast. Um, or, or let's say performance is good. If I then go to Joburg, the car will feel slower because I've lost 16% of the performance. If I take a turbo car, um, the, the losses are, quite, are not as much because the turbo makes up for those losses. So I don't have as many losses with a turbo car on hiking. And with an electric car, there's no losses because of height. So the performance at the coast and in hiking mm. would be exactly the same. Okay. And, and what would, the, would there be um, a difference in cost? No, the cost is the same. You know, that's an interesting question, actually, Michelle. I have old car magazines at home. If you look at the ones from the 1960s, they would actually give you different prices. Uh, they would call it a reef and, uh, I think, reef and coast. But the cars yeah. would actually cost different in Gauteng than it would cost at the coast uh, in uh, a few years back. That's, of course, not changed. So the, the cost is the same. I, I remember, remember it the other way around. I remember when I was at school um, and we used to go out to the coast on holiday. You know, my, my, my father and even their friends would always say, when you get to the coast, the cars always feel quicker. And they always did feel quicker because they were quicker because you gained sixteen percent performance when you went to the coast. Yeah, would it change? Would it change the? Um, and this is my question: Is would it change the the, the petrol usage and that kind of thing? Oh, interesting. Um, I guess it could have an effect on a nat- naturally aspirated engine. Um, yeah. It does also depend on how you drive and your demand for performance. So, um, let's say you were driving. Um, you have a certain amount of performance. You're driving in, let's say, I'm, we're in Cape Town. So I drive in Cape Town and the car performs a certain way. I drive to Joburg, it doesn't perform the same way and I'm pushing down that accelerator more. That is going to affect the performance. So um, it's just thinner air as well, I guess. Because the car has less air to breathe, it's got to work a little bit harder to do the load. So I would say, yes, there would be a difference in performance in, uh, or in consumption in Hatim versus in Cape Town, but not huge. You're not suddenly going to get another 300 kilometers from your fuel tank because you're driving yeah. in Hatim. Uh, but if you think about it, if I just use logic, um, if the air is thinner, the car battles to breathe. And if you battle to breathe, you're going to battle to perform, just like you and I. If you run a marathon and you can't breathe as well, you don't perform as well. So then it's, you work a bit harder. Yeah. So yes, uh, yeah. I would say logic tells me it would uh, perform a little bit uh, we have uh, used more fuel in cutting, slightly more, not a huge amount.
Well, certainly when one tries to run down on the coast versus when one runs in Gauteng, you do um, get a huge difference. And for anybody who is a running fan who's done both, I'm sure they'd be able to respond to that in depth. Pippa Green, I know exactly that you... Exactly the same for a call. Yeah. yeah. Exactly the same for a call, Michelle. Exactly the same. Okay, a question. Um, uh, how, how do you choose a car when you... Should, should I buy a demo car or should I go second hand? Oh, how much money do you have? I don't know. Um, I quite like demo cars for the fact that a new car has quite a loss in value when you um, buy it. Um, mm. So after two, three months, it's lost a lot. Where the demo car is effectively the car at the dealership that they yeah. would use to demonstrate the new car and they can sell it then at a few thousand days. Sometimes um, cars with very low kilometers become demo cars. Um, the second hand car depends. Is it a two, three, or four year old car? Um, if, you, if it's three years old, it actually is it's still very new. A three-year-old car, really, um, if it's looked after well, there's nothing wrong with it and can still, still last you a long time. And that's, that's even depreciated more. So that's, you know, so you've got to, I don't know how old that car is, but um, also what's happened, by the way, if you look at new cars, actually nowadays, um, new cars are holding their value quite well because of the, mm. micro, the semiconductor shortage. There isn't a lot of cars. If you go to lots of dealerships, there's just a few cars standing around which means you can buy the car and it's not really going to lose the value because if you sell it now, um, you might get still get good money for it because the market, second-hand market is quite strong. So there's a few things that affect that. But before, personally, I've always liked um, demo cars simply because they are a little bit lower, but fairly effectively at, at 5,000 days, let's say, or even 10,000 days. I still see them as new. So, so yes, this is something I've always thought about with demo cars and I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to jump in with my ideas, but... I've always wondered if it is a good idea to get a demo car because I imagine that there are all those people who like are testing the cars so that, you know, the cars like got about 50 different drivers in a very short space of time and some of them might just be pushing the clutch or whatever the case may be. What's your take? Uh, no, it wouldn't bother me. Um, yes, a lot of people have driven it. And to be honest, um, there is, if there's one con that you can put in there, one negative is that the car has to be driven in, which it hasn't really been driven in according to the owner's manual. You've got mm. to drive it softly. But I, personally, it wouldn't bother me if uh, 50 different people drove it. They drove it in a short distance. The car was normally well looked after. It still has the warranty um, on the vehicle itself. It still has the service plan or maintenance plan. So personally, it would not put me off at all at buying the car. Okay, very quick question for you. It's a voice note. I'm going to go very quick um, question, and then you've got to like finish it off before 9 o'clock. Go for it. Okay, go. Hi Michelle, this is Richard. I'm curious to get Nico's comments on on the f- fuel cost in relation to Sassel and their produce, product, uh, producing uh, fuel from coal, which is independent from uh, crude oil, and therefore the price shouldn't be shouldn't fluctuate as it does with with fuel, as as it does with oil. So surely, if if Sassel can produce their product at a cheaper rate, it'll be far better for the country. Thanks, eh? Bye. Okay, you've got 10 seconds to answer that. I, I, I agree, but I think that's all unfortunately linked to the, the price of crude oil. So these are all linked, so I would agree. It, it, it would be much better if the fuel was... Sorry, we ran out of time. I would agree. It would have been better if we could have had cheaper fuel from Sassel, South African company giving us cheaper fuel. Nine o'clock, time for the news. Good morning.